Amen and amen. Well, this is a, a hard spot in the song to hop into if you've never studied the song, but just to give you a brief overview, the Song of Solomon is an allegorical psalm or a song that Solomon wrote. It's called the Song of Songs. Uh, in the same way that Jesus is the King of Kings, He's the greatest King, and He's the Lord of Lords. He's the greatest Lord. This is the Song of Songs. It's the greatest song. Uh, Jewish teachers called this the Holy of Holies of the Torah. Uh, it is the place where we find New Testament truth in the language of poetic love, and it is useful for us to get New Testament truth from our head to our hearts. That's why we teach through it verse by verse, because we want to grow in intimacy with Christ. Amen? So there's several characters in the song. King Solomon represents Jesus, and the Shulamite, which is just the feminine version of the word Solomon, the name Solomon, represents the church or Israel or both in some degrees. And there's some other characters within the song that represent spiritual leaders, that represent young believers, that represent even Israel itself. And at this point in the song, the Shulamite is walking into her destiny as the victorious church, the bride at the end of the age. Uh, the verses we've been studying have been descriptions of her beauty, her glory, her greatness at the end of the age, right before Christ returns, and where she is laying down her life for the sake of the gospel, where she is overcoming the dragon by the blood of the lamb, the word of her testimony, and not loving her life even unto death. So what we talked about last week in verses 1 through 5 was a tenfold description of the beauty and glory of the end times church. What we might be walking into the end times church. Some of us might even be part of the end times church. We don't know how long the Lord will tarry, but we know that as we approach the end of the age, as darkness increases, so will light. The grace, the glory, and the power of the Holy Spirit will be poured out in unprecedented measure. And we know that Joel 2, part 1 of Joel 2 happened in Acts chapter 2, but part 2 of Joel 2 is going to happen at the end of the age where the Spirit is going to be poured out without measure on the church and we'll walk in the fullness of our calling in holiness and mature devotion, which is really exciting. So a lot of the language that you see in Song of Solomon is uh, personal language. Like at the beginning of the song, she cries out and asks the father that Jesus would kiss her with the kisses of his mouth. And the mouth in Song of Songs is referring to intimacy. So we're not thinking about kissing Jesus on the lips or anything like that. It's really the kisses of his word. It's that when his word, like the streams of water that we just prayed about in Psalm 1, as we become rooted and grounded in his word, we grow in intimacy with him and it strengthens us. So we're going to see some language here that's like, oh, that's a little uncomfortable to talk about breasts. It's a little un like Zach was talking about. We prayed about, his, about the church's belly earlier this morning. But when you analyze the symbology, it's actually very powerful and 
if you're like me, I just cry the whole time. When we do the worship with the word sets, I'm just standing up there, tears going down my eyes. Lord, I want my belly to be a heap of wheat, you know, <laughs> in a good way. Okay. So let me read the passage and then we can dive in. This is song chapter seven, verse six. And we're going to go to the first half of verse nine because the voice changes in the second half of verse nine. The, the Shulamite actually takes over, kind of finishes Jesus's sentence. So we'll just cover the first half of that verse. How beautiful and how delightful you are, my love, with all your delights. Wouldn't you love to hear Jesus say that to you? He's saying that to you tonight. Your stature or your height or your stance, your stateliness is like a palm tree. And your breasts are like its clusters. Palm trees were, these are date palms. So they're not coconut trees, they're date palm trees. So these clusters are clusters of dates. Verse 8, I said, Jesus speaking, I will climb the palm tree or I will approach, I will draw near, I will go up to the palm tree and I will take hold of, grasp its fruit stalks. Oh, may your breasts be like clusters of the vine and the fragrance of your breath like apples and your mouth like the best wine. Okay, take a deep breath. And let it out. You're like, wow, good luck, Josh. Thank you. I Pray for me as I break this down for us. So this is Jesus affirming the bride. The first five verses of this chapter were actually the church speaking about the church, which is really interesting to think about. But the great cloud of witnesses is looking at the church of the end of the age and going, wow, we see these 10 descriptions of your beauty and glory at the end of the age. This is the one that we've been waiting for, O prince's daughter. And now in verse six, Jesus steps in and affirms that tenfold description by saying that her stateliness or her stature that, that tenfold description can basically be summed up as her stature. At the end of the age, the church's stature will be like a palm tree. And if you need to know more about that, go to last, the last teaching we did, and there's ten descriptions of the stature, the glory, the beauty of the end times church. So he steps in, and remember it in verse 5, it said that the king is captivated by her locks, by her tresses, and the... The hair, the locks in the song and elsewhere in scripture represent devotion, right? Remember, uh, Samson grew his hair out as a Nazarite. It was, a, it was an outward expression of inward consecration to God. So they were saying, Jesus is captivated. Jesus is captured. The unconquerable king is captured by your love for him by your devotion for him, by your consecration to him. And now that captivated king is speaking and he says, how beautiful and how delightful you are, my love, with all your delights. Whew. They're the words of the bridegroom, king, and judge to the victorious church at the end of the age. They're his words to us 
tonight in the areas of our lives where we've said no to sin and temptation and complacency and we've engaged and pressed in to a life of consecration, to a fasted lifestyle, to carrying our cross and following him. He sees those yeses in our hearts and he says, how beautiful, how delightful are you, my love? The wholehearted devotion of the bride brings pure delight to Jesus. Did you know that you can delight the heart of God? How, how could I bring delight to the heart of Jesus? How could he look at me and say, how beautiful? He is and increasingly saying that to us and to our spiritual family. In the same way that his fruit is pleasant to us, our fruit brings pleasure to him. And there's nothing more delightful to Jesus than our love for him displayed through devotion. It's unto something. It's not just doing the right thing. It's doing the thing that loves him well. He says, my love, it's expressing the desire and passion in God's heart for her. The, the Hebrew just says the word love in a noun form. It's as if he's naming the church love. To the same degree that the father loves Jesus, God loves us. Look at John 15, 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. What does it mean to remain in his love? It means to receive it continually and believe that it's there. Has anyone ever said to you, I love you? And then you were like, cool. That's like, oh, the biggest stab, right? God's saying, I love you. And so many of us say, there's no way you could love me. But we're rejecting the Lord by doing that. He wants us to receive and remain in his love. Look at John 17, 23. I and them and you and me, this is Jesus praying to the Father, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and you loved them just as you loved me. Did you know that the Father loves you the same way that the Father loves Jesus? To the same degree, to the same intensity, to the same capacity. He is pouring his love out on you without any restriction as long as you can receive it. We must come to know and believe his love for us and continually remain in the comprehension of his love. We were, we were praying this earlier tonight, Psalm 1, that we would be planted by streams of water. Those streams of water are the delight in the law of the Lord and the delight in the love of God for us. We pray Ephesians 3 all the time, right? That we'd be strengthened to comprehend the love of Christ. We'd be rooted and grounded in it. It's essential for us to know and believe that Jesus loves us. 
1 John 4.16, we've come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. Do you want to remain in God's love tonight? I do. I want to receive, know, and believe his love for me. I don't want to doubt it or question it. He says, with all your delights. It's like, man, what do you mean all my delights? Like all three of them? <laughs> all, all one and a half of them? What are you talking about, Jesus? He's talking about how we bring delight to him with a single glance of our eye, with a word on our lips, when we turn our attention toward him. See, it's so powerful, the privilege that we have here on earth because we're surrounded by distraction, right? We're, we always talk about, oh, this generation is facing more distraction than any generation on the, on the planet. Don't you know that's part of God's plan? It's part of God's plan for us to be easily distracted so that the value of our glance toward him increases. If you have Instagram on your phone and you're spending six hours a day on it and you're struggling to get that time down to five and a half hours so that you can spend 30 minutes looking at Jesus, that 30 minutes is so valuable in comparison to what 30 minutes looked like when there was no television, no cell phones, no internet, and you would just be in your house. Well, I guess I could knit, you know? There's value to our gaze on him. And it brings him delight. See, sin patterns will fall off of us as we discover the great delight we can bring to Jesus through our dedication to him. Many, many will leave most of their sin to avoid negative consequences. But to walk in the fullness of purity and holiness, we must know the power we have to move the heart of Jesus. When you believe that your no to sin and yes to God brings delight to the heart of Jesus, you'll do it over and over and over again. You'll see temptation and go, that's an easy decision. Because I know that as I resist the devil and submit to God, he flees, but I'm bringing delight to the heart of Christ. This revelation will bring the church at the end of the age into the fullness of her identity as a mature bride, walking in holiness, purity, and power. When we see the great impact we have on the emotions of God, we will do anything to bring delight to his heart. You know, this is the fear of the Lord. This is... The best definition I can give you of the fear of the Lord is not wanting to grieve the Holy Spirit, but wanting to do everything in our power to love him well and bring delight to his heart. It's the spirit of holiness alive in the church at the end of the age. And we don't have to wait for the end of the age. It's actually what ushers in the end of the age. Do you understand this? 
We get to hasten the day of the Lord by bringing delight to his heart, by carrying our cross, by fellowshipping with him in his sufferings because we know the great joy it brings to him. Remember the twofold test where she couldn't feel his presence, she couldn't hear his voice, she had no ministry platform. All that she had was what she was doing in secret. And Jesus saw every movement of his heart toward her and it brought delight to him. Look at Isaiah 62. Can we just dwell on this? Can we, can we contemplate and meditate on the delight of the Lord over us tonight? These are scriptures about Israel, but we're also grafted into Israel, and they're scriptures about you individually. Isaiah 62.4, it will no longer be said to you forsaken, nor to your land desolate, but you will be called, my delight is in you. And your land married for the Lord delights in you, and to him your land will be married. Do you know that when Jesus names you, in heaven, he says, my delightful one, the one who my delight is in, he calls you, my delight is in you. Zephaniah 3, don't be afraid, Zion, don't let your hands fall limp. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will renew you in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts. <laughs> when, we, when we say yes to God, when we step out of sinful patterns, he rejoices with shouts. Oh, that seems so far below him. It seems so lowly for him to rejoice over me choosing to not watch another episode on Netflix. But he does. Those areas where we choose discipline, we choose consecration, not out of a legalism, but out of a lovesick heart, we choose to consecrate our lives, and he shouts and spins over us in celebratory love. Look at Malachi 3. All the nations will call you blessed Israel, for you will be a delightful land. Even his delight over us can be showered out and the nations can see it. Psalm 16. The saints on the earth, they are the majestic ones. All my delight is in them. Psalm 18, he brought me to an open place and he rescued me because I earned it. Oh, wait. Because he delighted in me. Lord, reveal your joy over us tonight. <sighs> Show us your love. Strengthen us to comprehend your affection, and your delight in us as your bride. Amen. He continues and he says, your stature is like a palm tree. Your breasts are like its clusters. 
Stature is spiritual maturity, right? The, the word means height. It's used to describe the height of a tree, the height of a building, the sturdiness of a building. He's talking about the maturity of the bride, the maturity of the church at the end of the age. This is our prophetic future. And he's, he's confirming the tenfold description from verses one through five and comparing our stature to a palm tree. The palm tree in scripture is a, a symbol of victory. Remember Hosanna in the highest? They had palms in their hands. Revelation 7, palm branches in their hands. Even the Psalm 1 tree, you could call that the palm tree, that they're upright. It was, uh, it was used in decoration of the temple. When Solomon was in charge of building the temple, you would see cherubim, lions, and palm trees. Those three things were all always on the decorations overlaid with gold. You can read that in, in 1 Kings chapter 6, throughout that chapter in 7. The first city, remember Joshua fit the battle of Jericho? The city of Jericho was called the city of palm trees. So this is a picture of victory. This is a picture of conquering, that the, the church is overcoming at the end of the age. See, it's, it's a myth and it's a dreadful myth that the Western church believes in this weak and fragile church at the end of the age that needs rescued by Jesus. That's not what's happening at the end of the age. The church is overcoming by the blood of the lamb. And yes, part of overcoming is martyrdom, but she's not walking around sniveling. She's not hiding away and, and worrying She's walking in power and authority. The miracles that you read in the ministry of Jesus and in the ministry of the apostles in the book of Acts are nothing compared to what the end times church will walk in. We're talking about the greater works because of that tenfold description. You see how it's connected? The purity of the bride unlocks the power of the Holy Spirit. He's called the Holy Spirit, the spirit of holiness. And the power of the spirit of holiness is released through holiness in living. So these, these palm trees, I mean, just think about a palm tree. It, it can live in a desert. How? Because the roots of the palm tree relentlessly dig for water that's way, 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 way down there. So you see these oases in the middle of nowhere with all these palm trees. You're like, dang, how could they grow this tall? And no wind can topple them. They're resilient trees. They just walk, they go upright, straight up, and they don't waver. This is the maturity of the bride. The end of the age, she'll be stable and strong through droughts, through difficulty, through tribulation, through threats, she will not fold to fear, offense, lust, or deception. And then her breasts, we've talked about the breasts multiple times. This is symbolic of the ability to nurture, right? Mothers in the room really understand this concept because the, the nurturing of your child at the breast is very intimate and loving, and there's all these hormones that are released in your brain, and I will never understand that, but I can picture it and kind of understand that as we nourish younger believers, that's what this is talking about. It's that, you know, the, the things that you eat come out in the milk, 
right? The things that you consume are what you're feeding the younger ones with. So her having these breasts like clusters, it means in the middle of a desert, she has food plenty. She has word plenty. She has truth plenty. The spirit of prophecy is resting on her without measure. She's speaking the words of Jesus to young believers and maturing them up in a motherly heart. Right? Jesus said, I long to gather you as a mother gathers her young. That same spirit is being imparted to the church at the end of the age. And we can walk in that in a measure even today. She's providing nourishment to others, even in season of difficulty or despair. Let's go to Roman numeral three, page three. So he, he says, I'm going to climb this palm tree and grasp its fruit stalks, or I'm going to approach, I'm going to draw near to you, and I'm going to take hold of you, church, at the end of the age. For I am the vine and you are the branches. And I'm going to release the ministry of the Holy Spirit without measure in an unprecedented way through you at the end of the age. He will rise up, O God, and draw near to the victorious bride in intimacy and with power to take hold of her at the end of the age. Look at John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than he, these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches, the one who remains in me, I in him, bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So, what does it look like when there isn't an area of our hearts and our lives that is apart from him? When he's truly the Lord, he has taken hold of every aspect of the church. He's taken hold of the discipleship groups. He's taken hold of the, the Sunday services. He's taken hold of the prayer meetings. He's taken hold of every single aspect of the ministry of the church we see unprecedented miracles, signs, wonders, compassion, self-sacrifice, things that will blow our minds, the church will walk in because she will be fully embraced by the bridegroom. He is the vine and they, she will fully remain in him. So from this, he commissions her in three ways. This is Roman numeral four. It's a threefold commission. He says, prophetically, so he's declaring this. You know, when Jesus prophesies something, it comes true. <laughs> he, he doesn't false prophesy. It's not like a wish, or I hope you end up like this. He's saying, may you be this way. He's declaring this over the church at the end of the age. He's declaring this over you tonight, that you would be commissioned in this way. Threefold, may your breasts be like clusters of vine, may the fragrance of your breath be like apples, and may your mouth be like the best wine. He's commissioning her to nurture others, to refresh others, and to love God, to be in intimacy with him. He takes hold of his people, commissions them. Let her be, your breasts like clusters. 
We've already talked about this, but it's her ability to nurture younger believers. These clusters of dates, he's now saying clusters of the vine. Remember, the vine is symbolic of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Whenever we see grapes, wine, or raisins, we're talking about the manifest power of the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, I want to empower you and commission you to nurture younger believers with the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the gifts and the fruits, all of them. The, the end times church is not going to lack in any way in the ministry of the Holy Spirit and in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. All of it will be present to the fullest extent. He's commissioning her prophetically to nourish the harvest of souls. Remember the billion soul harvest at the end of the age that's coming close and it's, it's approaching and we're already seeing the first fruits of it. He's going to commission and empower the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the bride at the end of the age as she nurtures them and cherishes them by speaking his word. Let her see the fragrance of your breath. Well, your breath smells like the things you eat. <laughs> right? So she's eating apples. Remember in chapter two, she said, refresh me with apples. It's the word, the sweetness of his words to her. So she's been eating the word, eating the scroll, and now her breath smells like his breath. There's, there's no disunity in there. She smells like Jesus when she speaks. The fragrance of Christ is diffused in the room when the church begins to speak prophetically. This can happen for you as well. Your breath can smell like apples. Remember, she, she was sitting in the, in the shade of the apple tree. She said, my beloved is an apple tree among the forest, speaking of Jesus, and I delight in his shade and I delight in his fruits. She's sitting in the shadow, the finished work of the cross. The finished work of the cross is now being expressed through her words. And she's refreshing the church. Those, those that have just walked through difficulty. Those who may have seen their family members beheaded in front of them. The, the horrors that we're seeing happening in Israel right now are commonplace at the end of the age. It's just going to get worse from there. But the church will step in and proclaim in the same way that Jesus would words of life that will refresh the hurting and the broken by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at John 20, 22. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. That's what the church will do at the end of the age. Look at letter D. We'll, we'll finish here. And then he says, may your mouth be like the best wine. And this is the greatest commission because it's a commission to love him. <laughs> he commissions her to refresh and revive, <coughs> to nurture others. But then he finally commissions her to love God. Throughout the song, we see the kisses of the mouth representing our intimacy with Christ. Loving Jesus intimately is the best work of the Holy Spirit in us. And it is his greatest commission to us. Remember in chapter two, he takes her to the house of wine <laughs> to be refreshed with apples, which is his spoken word. 
and to be revived with raisin cakes, which is his ministry of the Holy Spirit. And now she's his house of wine. Now she's the one with the apples. <laughs> I mean, this is really exciting for me because I've been teaching it for two years, but I'm like seeing this progression where she was starving she had nothing in herself, and now she's so full of God that it's overflowing to where it's hard to tell the difference between her and Jesus. Now her ministry is being described with the same words and the same characteristics as his ministry was to her at the beginning of the song. Would you like to love the way that Jesus loves? Would you like to love God in the same way that he loves you? You will. He prophesied, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's commissioning us to refresh each other, to revive and nurture each other. And he's commissioning us to love him well. Let's just have Tommy come up and and play, and let's, let's just approach the throne of grace tonight and ask the Lord, God, would you commission me tonight?